From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Hey friends, are you looking for a new career path? Maybe it's time to move out of your mother's basement. Want to get off your sister's couch? Around the World Employment Agency is here to help. Everyone has personal strengths and liabilities. We'll find you a new profession perfectly suited to your profile. Just send us your likes and dislikes, assets and weaknesses, and we will craft a resume and send it out on your behalf. Let's hear what Winoni Mr. Blues Harris has to say about it. Here he is assisted by his All-Stars in 1947. a job girl find some kind of work to do yes you've got to get yourself a job girl find some kind of work to do because there's a little girl around the corner yes and she's making it awful tough for you job in a pie factory where everything was good to eat you quit and said the routine bored you and you couldn't stand the heat i got you a job cutting potatoes with a sack right at your feet you quit and said you saw too many potatoes you don't see some meat you gotta get yourself a job girl find yourself something to do Because there's a little girl around the corner And she's making it awful tough for you But you hard you the hours were short and sweet you let everybody jive you and gave away all the meat i paid for you a course at poro so you could learn to fry some hair you said all the teachers taught you was how to curse and swear you gotta get yourself a job girl find yourself something to do Because there's a little girl around the corner She's making it all tough for you Get yourself a job That was Wynoni, Mr. Blues Harris and his all-stars saying, You got to get yourself a job, girl. 
Yes, we're here today at the Round the World Employment Agency, helping people find new professions. Let's see what this applicant is looking for. Dear Round the World Employment Agency, I'm an ambitious go-getter who is looking to rise in the company. I envision myself with my own office where customers are constantly streaming in and out. However, my sister says I really know how to push people's buttons. What do you recommend as a suitable career? Well, you're in luck. We have two openings for elevator operators. We will forward your information to the appropriate parties and in the meantime, here's the Burkhart and Standard Quartet from 1912, Going Up with the Elevator Man. Young and gay was an elevator man Like an aviator in his elevator All day long he was on the job Taking people up and down Mandy broke as a cook started working in the place And they found a lady in the elevator With Andy, so handy Said Mandy, it's dandy Going up, going up, going up, going up with the elevator man, Lord love you, going up, going up, going up, going up. I feel like barrels of dynamite blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Every pleasure in the land, it makes me act just like a funny coon. I could spend my honeymoon going up, going up, going up, going up. With the elevator man, going up, going up, going up, going up. Young and gay went and married Mandy Brook. They discovered later that the elevator was the place where the nut was tied. Tied while they were going up. Soon a gal known as Sal came to work at Mandy's place. And they found a lady in the elevator with Andy. So dandy, said Mandy. It's dandy going up, going up, going up, going up. With the elevator man, Lord love you, going up, going up, going up, going up. I feel like barrels of dynamite blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Every pleasure in the land, it makes me act just like a funny coon. I could spend my honeymoon going up, going up, going up, going up. With the elevator man, going up, going up, going up, going up. With the elevator man, all that jazz, going up, going up, going up, going up. I feel like there's a dynamite blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Every picture in the land is Mama, five or six stories on down. 
That was the 1912 Burkhart and Standard Quartet with Going Up with the Elevator Man. This was followed by Elevator Woman, Sonny Boy Williamson from 1946. A good career for someone who likes to push people's buttons and wants to go up in the world. We're broadcasting this hour from the Round the World Employment Agency, matching people with the perfect job that fits their profile. Now, who's next? Okay, so here's someone who doesn't mind getting their fingernails dirty and would be interested in a job that contributes to home safety if possible. Let's see now. I, th- I think we should send this one along to the place looking for a chimney sweeper. Ernest Rogers will provide some background with his 1927 Willie the Chimney Sweeper. Have you ever heard about Willie the Weeper? Had a job as a chimney sweeper He had the dope habit and he had it bad Listen while I tell you about a dream he had Oh, oh He went down to the dope shop one Saturday night 
He knew the lights would all be burning bright Well, I guess he smoked a dozen pills or more When he woke up, he was on a foreign shore Sheba was the first he met She called him lovey-dovey and honey-pet She gave him a great big automobile With a diamond headlight and a golden wheel Oh, oh Down in Honolulu, Willie fell in a trance Seeing the dusky beauties do the hula dance His sweetie got in jail and Willie sure did shout When he got the news that she had wiggled out Oh, oh He landed with a splash in the river Nile Riding on a seagoing crocodile He winked at Cleopatra, she said, ain't he a sight? He said about a day for next Saturday night. Oh, oh, he had a million cattle and he had a million sheep. Had a million vessels on the ocean deep. Had a million dollars all in nickels and dimes. Well, he knew because he counted it a thousand times. Landed in New York one evening late. He asked his sugar for an after date. Started to kiss her and she started to pout. When bang, bang, and the door gave this letter mom you'll know the war is through please get my old suit pressed up so i can get all dressed up i never did look better mom but one thing makes me blue i hate to say what i'm gonna say but i've got bad news for you oh mom dear mom i lost my job again i'm the poor old slob again cause i lost my job again Oh, Mom, dear Mom, now don't go blaming me. They paid me off, they laid me off, I'm through with the infantry. I was a real good soldier, the kind they write about. I was hotter than mustard, but I was mustered out. Oh, Mom, dear Mom, I lost my job again. I did my best like all the rest, but I lost my job again. Oh, Mom, dear Mom, I got the sack again, so I'll be back again, right on your track again. Oh, Mom, dear Mom, I must be dumb, I guess. I never knew why Army's do is always called a mess. We had a tough, tough sergeant, just too big for his pants. He said to me, stop shooting, give someone else a chance. Oh, mom, dear mom, I lost my job again. 
they can't afford to pay my board, so I lost my job again. with Swing and Sway with Sammy Kay in 1945, I lost my job again. But not to worry, you've come to the right place. Uh, excuse me a minute. Hello? Around the World Employment Agency. You say you're looking for work. You want to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You're interested in the environment and believe in recycling. Your ambition is to be a well-heeled sole proprietor. You know, you should become a cobbler. You know, a shoe repairman. Here are a couple of musical descriptions of this vocation coming right up. Starting with this 1926 recording of Zapateado the Cobbler by Sarasate. Featuring Sasha Culbertson on the violin with Helen Hamilton on the piano. Thank you. 
your friend anytime you blue Papa Nicolini. People send all their troubles to Papa Nicolini. Cause he trades all their old dreams for new. Children stop at his little shop looking for a penny. Though he's poor, still you may be sure he has given many. And I'm told with his heart of gold, Papa Nicolini will make all of your daydreams come true. Monday, right up to Sunday, he's patching and mending old shoes. From Monday, right up to Sunday, he'll mend all your heartaches and blues. Stevens and the Stardusters with Charlie Spivak and his 1941 orchestra, The Happy Cobbler, Papa Nicolini. Before that, we heard Zapateado, The Cobbler by Sarasate, played by Sasha Culbertson on the violin, accompanied by Helen Hamilton on the piano, in a recording from 1927. A cobbler is a shoe repairman. It's a good profession for someone who believes strongly in recycling. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is the Around the World Employment Agency with your host, Cracklin Jane, helping people find the perfect day job for their specific personalities. We'll just grab another application here, and based on how they describe themselves and their aspirations, we'll soon have them gainfully employed in an appropriate line of work. Okay, I want to contribute to society, especially anything related to public health. Unfortunately, I don't have a high school diploma. Well, without the old sheepskin, we can't make you a doctor, a nurse, or a pharmacist, or anything like that. But, uh, I know! You can keep people's food from spoiling by becoming an ice delivery man. Let's let George Kirby with Tom Archia and his All-Stars give their 1947 description of the work, Iceman Blues. (laughs) ¶¶ 
I'll give you the right size piece. Just show me your box. Ice man. Selling the coldest ice in town. Ice man. Ice man. Coldest ice in town. Ladies all think that I'm a nice ice man. Love to see me when I call around. I'm telling you this, mama, and I'm telling you in front. Get the right kind of piece that lasts a solid month. Ice man. Cold ice. Selling the coldest ice in town. descriptions of the important vocation of being an ice delivery man. We just heard Billy Mitchell in 1953 in Iceman, and he was preceded by George Kirby with Tom Archia and his 1947 All-Stars with Iceman Blues. The perfect job for someone without a high school diploma, but who wants to contribute to public health by preventing food spoilage. This is Cracklin' Jane at the Round the World Employment Agency. We're fielding numerous calls and letters from people in search of new and interesting careers. Okay, who's next? Here we have a written application that states, I love animals, and I like to make a lot of noise, and I'm told I don't know my own strength. Well, if you don't mind coming home filthy at night with the hair singed off your arms, we can line you up as a blacksmith who fashions horseshoes and nails them to hooves. Here is the Happy Blacksmith, courtesy of Prince's Orchestra in 1915, to describe the profession in a musical manner. Thank you. 
the blacksmith chestnut tree, there was moss upon the ground, and... Uh, the smith, a mighty name has he, the same as Jones and Brown. <laughs> hey, Bill, we've got that thing all wrong. Well, everything's different in the village now, Ernie. Well, say, why not tell the folks right here how the blacksmith's acting queer? Why, they think he's an honest bloke who bears the heavy yoke. Oh, they would never know him now, did he change all boy and how? He heard one morn an auto horn, and things are different now. Underneath the chestnut tree, the service station stands. The smith is mighty wealthy now and owns a lot of land. Why, there's a cob on every minute with a yokel riding in it. He gets them coming, gets them going. How his bankroll keeps on growing. He used to go on Sunday just to hear the parson pray. But he don't go to church no more, for that's his busy day. Hey, who gets a pint he gets? Oh, gasoline and water. Oh, the village blacksmith owns the village now. Underneath the chestnut tree, the service station stands. The smith is mighty wealthy now and owns a lot of land. Why, he has five or six garages, bigger diamonds than the Raja. And he's a devil, likes to revel. Why can't he be on the level? He used to love the children and would play with them each day. But now he sells them lollipops and takes their dough away. Hey, honk, honk, there goes the honk. He earns another dollar. Bill, no wonder the village blacksmith owns the village now. You know, he's a pretty smart fella. Do you remember the other day when we were at the service station, one of the town boys came up to him and said, Say, Mr. Blacksmith, which nut on an automobile is the most important? And the blacksmith told him, didn't he, Ernie? You bet. He said the nut that holds the steering wheel is most important. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath the chestnut tree, the service station stands. The smith is mighty wealthy now and owns a lot of land. On the fairground, he's a faker. Fools the boys with his dice shaker. Sells Doc Munions, cure for bunions. He's no rude, he knows his onions. He used to toy in the labor till the sweat rolled down his chin. But now he tips his neighbor on the horse that's going to win. Hey, clang, clang, go the pearls upon his wife and That was the 1926 Happiness Boys, Billy Jones and Ernest Hare, informing us that the village blacksmith owns the village now. Before that, Prince's Orchestra gave us a 1915 tone poem entitled The Happy Blacksmith. A good job for someone who doesn't mind a little soot and loves animals. Okay, now we have a job opening for all you ne'er-do-wells out there. In this position, you would alternate between being a beer taster and a streetcar operator. Will F. Denny has the detailed job description in this cylinder recording from 1899. A comic song, job like that, sung by Mr. Will F. Denny. I never was a busy man, oh, 
the great big brewer's place that isn't far from here. They pay a man a salary to taste that wine and beer. Now, I wouldn't mind a job like that. I wouldn't mind the job. Tasting beer, it's my delight. I'd work overtime at night if you hear of one. Something in that style. Send for me, send for me, and I'll go and do a month on trial. Now, I wouldn't mind a job like that. I wouldn't mind the job. Tasting beer, it's my delight. I'd work overtime at night. If you hear of one, something in that style, pen for me, pen for me, and I'll go and do a month on trial. My brother, he was looking for a job of near and far, and now he is conductor on a Broadway cable car. He's just as honest as can be, and like the job he's got, he's worked a month, got eight a week, and bought a house and left. Now I wouldn't mind a job like that on a Broadway car. I'd get one too, that's if I could. I know the change would do me good. I'd be glad to be conductor for a while. Without pay, night and day, I'd work a month on trial. Now I wouldn't mind a job like that on a Broadway car. I'd get one too, that's if I could. I know the change would do me good. I'd be glad to be conductor for a while. Without pain, night and day, I'd wake up on some trial. Until our enemies meet their water 
boys in khaki and blue are all depending on you. We've got a job to do. Let's turn the ranks. We'll make the tanks. We've got a job to do, and that means me and you. Say hoist the crane. We'll build the plane. Yes, we've got a job to do. That was Fred Waring and his Pennsylvanians in 1942. Before that, we heard an 1899 description of the enviable jobs of beer taster and streetcar operator. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And in fact, we have all kinds of job openings here at the... um, Hang on. Around the World Employment Agency. You called the right place. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You're you're a hermit type. Okay, you you want a job with lots of responsibility, but where you can work on your own and don't have to chit chat with people. So you like to stay focused, that which is good. You hate commuting to and from work, so if you could work from home, that would be a plus. Beautiful. We we've, we've got just the job. We recommend becoming a lighthouse keeper. Here with the 1937 description is Jack Leonard with Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra, A Little White Lighthouse. Beside love's lagoon 
dreaming in the gloaming Where the sea is foaming Just a happy pair with hearts in two And the little white lighthouse will be twinkling soon As we sail away to love land on our honeymoon Oh, 
That, dear friends, was De Gamla Fyr, the old lighthouse, featuring Zetterstrom O. Christofferson med Willis Kvintet from 1930s Norway. Before that, a little white lighthouse, Jack Leonard with Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra from 1937. And we have time to find work for at least one more applicant this hour. Here's an interesting profile. It says, I am very muscular and have a big booming voice. I've always liked trigonometry and want to be on the cutting edge of technology. Is there a way to apply this in the great outdoors? And the answer is yes. We recommend applying trigonometry in a career as a lumberjack so you can tell where the tree is going to fall. Here are the Georgia Crackers in 1946 with Lumberjack's Call. Certain people of my acquaintance seem very concerned about you and you. They're trying to be 
night. They're going out of their way. They offer me advice. There must be something in what they say. My very good friend, the milkman, says that I've been losing too much sleep. He doesn't like the hours I keep, so he suggests that you should marry me. My very good friend, the mailman, says that it would make his burden less. We both had the same address, so he suggests that you should marry me. Then there's the very friendly fellow who prints all the latest real estate news. And every day he sends me blueprints of cottages with country views. My very good friends and neighbors say that they've been watching things I do, and they believe that I love you. Well, I suggest that you should marry me. I'm your very good friend, the milkman, Kay, and each 4 a.m. when I call, I find you kissing in the hall. Now I suggest that you should marry him. I'm your very good friend, the mailman, Bob, and I walk blisters on my feet, delivering love notes to your street. So I suggest that you should marry her. And I'm the very friendly fellow who sells the cottages of country views. And you'll agree that it will excel. Lonely rooms on different avenues. Our very good friends and neighbors say that they've been watching things we do. And they believe that I love you. We suggest that you two should be wet. very good friend, the milkman, not to mention the postman and a few other fine professions. That was Kay Weber and Bob Eberly with the Dorsey Brothers Orchestra shouting out to us from the year 1935. And this concludes the musical portion of Round the World today. As a public service, we set up an employment agency matching you, our listeners, with new well-paying gigs that dovetail with your personal idiosyncrasies. Our job openings included such vaunted professions as elevator operator, blacksmith, beer taster, and lighthouse operator, among others. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. This is Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. Now, the medical research field of the late 19th century is always looking for able-bodied workers who enjoy working in the cool of the night in a quiet environment. We hear next a 1942 episode of Suspense, entitled The Body Snatchers. So let's listen. Suspense.
hushed voice, the prowling step in the dead of night, the crime that is almost committed, the stir of nerves at the ticking of the clock, the rescue that might be too late, or the murderer who might get away. Mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure. We invite you to enjoy stories that keep you in... Suspense. For suspense, tonight we present The Body Snatchers by Don Dixon Carr. Beware of the body snatcher who prowls after dark. Beware of the graves he robs. Beware of the murders he commits to provide new corpses for the doctors. Up to the year 1832, the body snatchers terrorized England. According to the law, only four bodies a year could legally be supplied to the surgeons for anatomical study. And even these were a monopoly granted to the Barbers and Surgeons Company of London. But the study of surgery had to go on. In hundreds of medical schools all over England, perfectly reputable doctors were compelled to buy bodies and ask no questions. In 1828, burst the scandal of Burke and Hare, who found grave robbing too slow and murdered 16 persons in order to supply Dr. Knox of Edinburgh. And so, out of basic good purpose, sprang the evil of... The Body Snatcher. Turn back the clock now to a cold night just 110 years ago. Look into the brick kitchen of a house on Wandsworth Common, not far from London. There in the light of a tallow dip, this old mother slave in her draggled body. What's a keeping them? Two hours. Two mortal hours for the Dutch clock. And they're not here yet. Mother Slade? In the graveyard, not half a mile off. And once, I thought I heard church bells ring. And one... Mother Slade, did you call? No, my girl, I did not call. But I thought I... And what are you doing up at this hour, my girl? I was only locking up, Mother Slade. Ain't it enough to have taken you over from a good-for-nothing mother not worth the gunpowder to blow her up? Please, Mother Slade. And given you a good home? And brought you up practically like a lady? With only the housework to do. I'm sorry, Mother Slade. Only I wish you wouldn't talk like that about me own mother. And what do you do, Peggy Lester? You stop up until this hour. You mislay me snuff box 20 times a day. I was only going to say, I thought I heard a horse and cart in the lane. In our lane? Yes, Mother Slade. There it is now. Yes. Easy, my dears. Drive easy with the merchandise. The doctors don't like it if you bump the merchandise. Merchandise, Mother Slade? What's that? I'll tell you what it is, my girl. I didn't mean anything, Mother Slade. It's your Uncle Matt and your cousin Rob are coming home from their business. That's what it is. You hear that, Piggy Lister? I didn't mislay your snuff box. It's on the table. And if you don't want me to take my fingernails to you and sit at a strap, you get on up to bed this minute, dear. Yes, Mother Slade. I'm a-coming, my dears. Don't be impatient. 
I'm a coming. Nasty dim light this candle gives. Oh, old Mother Slater's got the rheumatics so cruel she can hardly move. Just pull back the bar, open the door. Wilmet, did you get it? Did we get it? Strike my blind, but that's a good one, ain't it, Rob? Stay the gab, caught you. Get, get inside and close the door. They ain't after you. Ain't they? Can't you hear anything? I thought I heard church bills. More like a perishing funeral bell, if you ask me. Take it easy, Rob. Take it easy. We've shaken them off. Have we? I wish I was as certain as some people. The spades and the sack is still in the cart. Let them stay. Who's a coming to find them? Then you didn't get it after all, you sick cow pairer. Now, don't you start a blaming us. Yeah, you shut your potato trap, never slide, or metal makes you shut it. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They was too quick, that's what. The girl was only buried this afternoon. The sooner the better, my dear. What's the good of the merchandise if it ain't fresh? Eh? You hold your noise and listen. We left the orson cart outside like we always do. We creeps up to the lich gate of the churchyard. Walk softly, Matt. Walk softly, Rob. In your oily beaver hats and neckcloths. Under the starlight and the white frosted elms. Take care of the graves, too. Spring guns may be set in some of them protect the dead from marauders. And if the coffin is one of those new iron ones, all your labor will be in vain. Open the gate, Bartley. Make such a bloody row with them shovels. I can't help it. I'm lousy down with all this stuff. Oh, and who'll do all the work when we do get there? I will. Matt. I. Listen. I can't hear nothing except your teeth are chattering. Matt, there's other people besides us in this here churchyard. Aye, two or three hundred deaders. But they won't bother us. I means living people. Don't talk so. Somebody's got a dark lantern. I see it flash past the gravestones. Oh? Where? Can't you see it now? It's a coming straight toward us. Here, I see him. Come on. They've seen us, Matt. He's a dusty wolf. Down beyond the gravestones. Crouch down. They can't shoot through stone. Matt, it says here, sacred to the memory it's of the... It's a girl's relatives. They've been watching her grave. If only I had me barkers. First time in two years I've gone without a brace of pistols, and this happens. But you ain't got your barkers, Matt Patterson. I got what's just as good. Give me a shovel. What are you going to do? Sergeant, this here shovel's got a nice edge. Oh, you daft. They'll have to take time out to reload, won't they? Hear that? Somebody's started the bill. That'll bring down every pillar within a mile. If you want a tithing ticket and a neck in your in a rope, stop where you are. But if you don't want to get scragged before your time, follow me.
That's all there is to it, Mother Slade. We went out by the gate and blow me if they could stop us. You perishing numbskulls. Did they recognize you? No. Red on the kitchen, red on eyes. And did you do it? I don't know. There's blood on the shovel. No, that ain't, Mother Slade. I wiped it off. Anyway, we're here. What I want now is a Christian fire to sit by. And a drop of spirits to warm my stomach. There's no spirits in the house, Matt Patterson. Don't you lie to me, you ugly mouth. Let's go on the end, Matt Patterson. Yeah. I'm warning you. better let yeah. him go, Matt. Yeah. There's no spirits. Only half a loaf of bread. Don't I know it. I haven't tasted a drop of gin all day. And the black dog's on me back. Well? Ark it what I say. The doctor was promised a corp tonight. All right, dearie, he gets a corp tonight. Well, there's that funeral bell again. What's the clock, old hag? Come on, spit it out. A nice young corp without any trouble or bother. Aye. What about young Peggy upstairs? Strike me blind. What about it, eh? You'd have to be mighty careful. Why? You'd have to smother her with a pillow while I sit on her legs. That's what Broken Air done up in Edinburgh. Then you don't leave any marks on them. Yeah. See? You're off a tick weight. What? If the doctors see they've been polished off, just plain murdered, they won't have nothing to do with it. These lies, they don't like it. Like it or not, dearie. They all do. Who's buying the beef tonight? Dr. George Arnold. Him? The young fella out full and white? That's the man, dearie. But I thought he was too pious and holy to play. That's what Dr. Arnold thought, too, till they started putting the screws on him at Bart's College. No corp, they said to him. No lecture. No lecture, no student. They all come to it, dearie, sooner or later. What beats me is why they got to have these bodies. You'd think the doctors killed enough people as it is, without a buying them after they was dead. Don't you question the ways of providence, Matt Patterson. You can't drink, Matt. You can't drink, Mother Slade. You stole that noise, Bob Plenty. Do you want to wake the poor girl upstairs? But you can't do it. Miss Cove Arnold, he knows her. Arnold knows who? He knows Peggy. Peggy Fair worships the ground he walks on. Oh. He set her arm once, and Mother Slade broke it, accidental-like, and she can't forget him. What's Arnold going to think when he opens up the sack and he finds... What can Arnold do? He's bought her, ain't he? He can't go to the police and say he's bought her. Peggy. Peggy Lester. Don't do it, Mother Slade. Don't do it. And how do you two thickheads know what Mother Slade is going to do? They're going to kill her, ain't you? Peggy. Peggy Lester. I, I thought I heard her moving about upstairs. You did, Mr. Milk and Water. She's on the stairs now. Rob, you're the least to be depended on. Go out and fetch him the sack. Don't do it. It'll bring us all bad luck. Matt. You're a lad after me own heart. You stop where you are and do just as I tell you. Trim the candle. Let's have it all nice and snug. Mm. What'll she bring, do you think? Eh? 
15 guineas. Hmm? Maybe 20. <laughs> Maybe more. 20 guineas? Strike me blind. But this is a way of doing business that I like. Did you call me, Mother Slade? That's right, my ducky. That's right, my little pet. Put your wrapper around you and your slippers to keep your feet warm and come right down here to Mother Slade. surgeon and still be an honest man. At that drugged hour of the night, look into the sitting room of a spacious house. Many candles are still alight there, though they have burned down nearly to their silver sockets. There is Chinese paper on the walls, and a turkey carpet underfoot. In front of the fire, now almost out, sits Dr. George Arnold with his bottle green coat and heavy hair. Dr. Arnold, sir. I I beg your pardon, Mrs. Tancred. Dr. Arnold, sir. He's gone two o'clock. Yes, yes, oh yes. So it has. You've got a lecture to deliver tomorrow, and you'll be all worn out. Why don't you go on up to bed? Mrs. Tancred. Yes, sir? You're a jewel of a housekeeper. I admire you, and I can't do without you. But would you please go away and let me alone? Sure, I'm very sorry, sir. No offense intended. Uh, Stop, I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm... Uh, I'm thinking too much, perhaps. I'm smoking too many cigars, if you'll excuse me. Why must they keep tolling that bell at East Hill Church? Why must they keep it up all night? Well, sir, Elsie says the parson told them to do it. Elsie? Wait. Who, who is Elsie? Oh, Dr. Arnold, sir. I know you're always up in the clouds, mooning over books and whatnot, but I did think you'd recognize the name of your own parlor, oh, mate. Oh, that Elsie. I see. Well? Elsie says... It's because of the murders in the churchyard. What murder? Two resurrection men. Body snatchers, sir. Oh, you wouldn't know anything about such people. No, no. No, of course not. They were caught trying to rob a grave. But they got away. One of them was a horrible big fella. Spit Willie Kendrick's head open with the edge of a shovel. Is anything wrong, sir? No, not, not exactly. Well, I thought for a second, seeing how you looked. Did they, did they get the body? Yes, sir. It was Willie Kendrick. His head was split open with a shovel. No, no, I I mean, did these resurrection men get what they were after? No, sir. Thank God. Oh, you may well say that, Doctor. Wasn't exactly speaking in the religious sense, but never mind. Well, Elsie says there are what she calls peelers all over the place. Peelers? Yes, these new policemen. After Sir Robert Peel. And somebody from the new detective police that they're using instead of the Bow Street Runners. Well, Mr. Tancred, I'm going to smoke one more cigar and... Then I'm going to bed. Very good, sir. You see, sometimes you give orders, then it's too late to recall them. Whatever the medical practice is, you, you can't look your conscience in the face afterwards. Then, I can't tell you how or why, a miracle comes along and saves you, and you're free, you're... What was that? Sounds like a horse and cart in the drive, sir. Mrs. Tancred. Yes, Doctor. W- would you please go upstairs? Now, make haste. Well, if it's visited, sir, or even a patient... Mrs. Tancred, you heard my instructions. Obey them. Sir, there's the front door, yes, I, I heard it. For the last time, go away. 
I will admit whatever visitors we have. Yes, sir. Good evening, dearie. Oh, come into the sitting room here, Miss... Uh, Mrs. Slade. No, sir. Just call me Mother Slade. You don't hardly seem natural or friendly to wear anything else. It's a pleasure to curtsy to you, Doctor. Cool. What a lovely room. I... I suppose... Your candles is going out, though. One by one. Poof. Then you'll be in the dark. I suppose you've come to report failure. Failure, dearie? I... I understand you didn't get what you went after. Bless you, dearie. We got something just as good. Finest piece of merchandise you ever saw. You haven't got it here. Bless you, dearie. Mother Slade always keeps her word. Bring the merchandise in, my dears, so the doctor can see it. Quiet, please. Oh, of course, dearie, I forgot. The big fellow with the black eyebrows is Uncle Matt. The little fellow with the watery eyes is Cousin Rob. And between them, in that sack, they're carrying... Well, who is it in the sack? Nineteen-year-old girl, dearie. Finest anatomical specimen you ever saw. Merciful Where do you want this here thing dumped, Governor? Easy now, Matt. Why did you bring it here? That's where you told us to bring it, dear. I, I mean, why did you bring it to the front door? Why not to the surgery? Only place in the house where there was lights, Governor. Hurry up now. Where do you want it? Well, take it. Yes, dear. Take it over and put it in the cupboard there, where I'm pointing. This cupboard here, Yes, sir. Then, then close the cupboard door. Shame on you two. Tracking your muddy boots over the doctor's lovely turkey carpet. Easy, my dears, easy now. All right, Robin, she's okay. Don't bruise the merchandise. Whatever you do, don't bruise the merchandise. Right, me blind, what's the odds? She can't feel it now. There's your body, Mr. Sawbones. Now, let's see your money. Well, just one moment before I give it to you. There ain't no itch in this, is there? There better not be. No, I I made a bargain with you and I'll stick to it. Thank you. That's uncommon genteel of you. Kind of stand back, sir. You're two stone of fat heavier than I am and you don't impress me. Easy, Matt. Catch it easy. I, I want to ask only one question. Where did you get that body? That's a question, dearie, what people in your profession don't ask. Why not? Because they don't dare. That's why. Would the police be interested in where you got the body? No, dearie. Not half so interested in as where we brought it. To your house. It's your responsibility now. Yes, I suppose it is. The victim wouldn't be, by any chance, that pretty little girl you used to treat so unmercifully. You hold your noise about how I treated her. I was rather fond of Peggy. Oh, 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 oh. Strike me blind. I think there's all of them. Oh, get out of this house, all of you. Go on, get out. Not without that money, dearie. It's 20 guineas now. There's money on the table under that newspaper. Take what you want, honey. Get out of here before I... Oh, what was that? Ah, what was it? A late visitor, I imagine. Was you expecting anybody? Eh? No. Don't drop the lovely money, Rob. Don't drop it all over the carpet. Pick it up. There's a back way out of ease. Yes, it's the way you should have come. Through that arch and, and down the passage. Thank you for the rhino, Governor. And no games, mind you. If you know what's good for you. Good night, dearie. Remember, you've got the body now. Yes. 
I've got the body now. Poor, poor little devil. In heaven's name, Mrs. Tancred, haven't you gone to bed yet? I had to get up, sir, to answer the bell. Oh, yes, yes, of course. I'm sorry. Dr. Arnold, what's the matter with you? Matter? What is a ghost? You're almost crying. Am I? Well, we must remedy that. It's so dark in here, I could barely see you sitting there. My candles going out one after another. Nothing but smoke and a nasty smell of grease and that cupboard door. What about that cupboard door? Well, I always declare, sir, it won't keep shut without any latch or bolt. If you'll excuse the lid. Mr. Tancred, keep away from that cupboard. Dr. Arnold, sir. Are you ill or anything? No, but keep away from that cupboard. Who who rang the bell? Oh, dear, I was almost forgetting. It's that man Elsie was talking to us about. What man? The officer of the detective police, sir. He wants to see you. Well, I'll see him, but... In some other room, not here. It's as you say. There's not enough light. Uh, not a bit of it, Doctor. Not a bit of it. Never too dark, as you might say, where the police are concerned. I couldn't help it, sir. He must have followed me down the hall. Uh, are you? Uh, that's right, Doctor. I'm Stalker at your service, Inspector Stalker. Oh, how do you do, Inspector? Mrs. Tancred, you may go. By your leave, sir. I'll just get some more candles and put them in that bracket by the cupboard. It's not in use. No, you needn't trouble. Oh, it's no trouble, sir. Excuse me. First of all, Doctor, I must apologize for intruding as late as this. Uh, not at all, Inspector. Will you be seated? Thank you, sir. Thank you kindly. Now, I dare say you're wondering why I'm here. Oh, yes, I am, rather. It's a bad business, Doctor. A very bad business. You mean the... Murder in the churchyard. Oh, you've heard about it. Well, my housekeeper said something about a, a man being killed with a shovel. That's right, Doctor. Not much doubt about who did that. No? No. The little fellow dropped his dark lantern with the initials on it. They're professional body snatchers. We've had our eye on them for a long time. Speaking of body snatchers, Doctor... Well... I expect this anatomy law is pretty hard in you, surgeons. It's an infamous law, sir. All the same, doctor, it is the law. Yes. And if any surgeon happened to be caught with a body, especially a murdered body... What what are you hinting at? Nothing, doctor, nothing. By your leave, I only want to ask a question. Well? What time did your friends leave? Now, come, Doctor. As one man of the world to another, do you see any green in my eye? You're not going to say you had no guests when their horse and cart are still at your front door. They didn't get away. No, Doctor, they didn't. They made a little reception committee as they left by the back door. Darby's on the wrists. Snap. Just as I might reach out and touch your wrist. Like this. What do you mean by Darby's? Handcuffs. I've got a pair in my pocket. Gags into their mouths. That's to keep them from biting. Look, do we have to go on with this? You, you already seem to know everything I could tell you. Not exactly everything. I don't know, for instance, where you've hidden the girl's body. You're a very diligent man, Inspector Stalker. Thank you, sir. I try to do my duty. You said a, a girl? These gin-muddled degenerates have been watched every second since they left East Hill Churchyard. They hadn't a body then, but they brought one here. And there's only one other person who lives in the same house with them. Dr. Arnold, sir. 
Mrs. Pancred, listen to me. Yes, sir. Must you always break in with the most completely ill-timed entrances at all the worst period of my life? I was only trying to be helpful, sir. That's right, madam. Always be helpful. You had to have some light. Here's the candle, sir. Part of them. In a big candelabrum. We can hang them in the bracket. Ma'am, hold up that light. Hold it high. Really, sir? I'm not in the habit of being spoken to with... Hold it high, I tell you. Do as the inspector tells you, Mrs. Pancred. This is a very fine carpet you've got here, Doctor. Yes, others have admired it tonight. But it oughtn't to have footprints on it. Muddy footprints. Footprints leading from the door, past the sofa, past the half, over to... Oh, that cupboard. Quite correct. I think that's done it, Dr. Arnold. I think it has, Inspector Stalker. Mm, he couldn't have proved anything against you for that churchyard business. But this... Let, let me open Bluebeard's cupboard, Inspector. Let me be the first to show you what's inside. You wanted a, a certain body. It appears you've come to the right place. Now, look. Lord Almighty. I'm the body, Mr. Police. Standing up, I'm very much alive. I'm wearing a nice new dress that the doctor gave me. That I gave you? Don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Uh, stop a bit, miss. Aren't you Peggy Lester? Yes. It's not because the doctor has to be so terribly respectable and a girl who's fond of him has to come here in secret. Wait a minute, everybody. Peggy Lester, you're lying. I am not lying. So that's it. Why didn't I guess it? It's the oldest body snatcher's trick in the world. Is it? Of course, the old pinch penny like Mother Slade couldn't sacrifice a good household grudge. Of course, they brought the body here. Instead of taking it to the surgery, where it might get locked up. Could you be persuaded, Inspector, to, to tell us just what you're talking about? The body snatcher, sir. Well, what about them? They take a living accomplice and put him into a sack and sell him to a green doctor as a dead man. Yes, but see here, They get the best price they can. Then in the middle of the night, that accomplice gets up and robs the doctor's house. And the doctor can't tell us because he's bought illegal goods. I never intended to go through with it. No, young woman? I tell you, I wasn't going to rob the house. They made me do this. I was going to tell Dr. Arnold. When I found out where they were taking me, I pretended to go through with it so I could warn the doctor. They can hurt so much, you'll agree to almost anything. Oh, that sounds like the truth, but it puts me in a funny position and no mistake. Well, your, your three murderers, Inspector... Seem to be seem to be leaving. Yes, they're leaving right enough. Trussed up like fowls and under guard. Does anybody go with them? Well, how can anybody go with them? I'm willing to believe this girl acted under threat. She's committed no crime. And I don't for the life of me see how we can touch you. Can't touch me? No, sir. I confound you for making me lose a night's sleep. There's no body. We didn't you didn't even buy a body. Will you tell me, Doctor, just what crime you've committed? And so ends The Body Snatcher. The story of London at midnight, a hundred years ago. And tonight's story of... Suspense.
Columbia presents these tales of mystery and intrigue and dangerous adventure for your relaxation and enjoyment. William Spear, the producer, John Dietz, the director, Alexander Semler, the composer, conductor, and John Dixon Carr, the author, are collaborators on Suspense. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1942 episode of Suspense, entitled The Body Snatchers. Now, speaking of unusual professions, stay tuned for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, in which Phil finds a job for Willie. First broadcast in 1948. Yeah, time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. The Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. It's Friday, and time for Phil's weekly band rehearsal. William has borrowed Phil's car, and Alice has to drive Phil downtown. As we look in, Alice and Phil are approaching their garage. I don't know why you let Willie take my car anyway, Alice. The guy's always mooching something. (laughs) It doesn't matter, Phil. I'm driving you down. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not too crazy about the way you handle a car. You ain't too careful, you know. Now, how can you say that? I drove you to rehearsal last week, and I did all right, didn't I? Yeah. You stayed right out in the middle of the street, and you were doing swell until you tried to squeeze between those two streetcars. <laughs> oh, that. That car was old anyway. And besides, you managed to sell the car after the accident. Only because I was lucky. I found a guy who wanted a tall, thin Chevrolet. <laughs> Stop exaggerating. Now, get in the car or we'll be late for rehearsal. Well, get in. What are you waiting for? Don't rush. Don't shove. (laughs) Got to work up courage first. (laughs) Stepping into this thing is like taking a cruise in a leaky submarine. (laughs) The odds are against you. Look, I'm a good driver and you have nothing to worry about. Now get in. Okay, okay. I know what I'm doing every minute. Now be quiet. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. What are you doing now? That's the only way I can tell which one of these pedals is the clutch. It's the left one, the one I tied the ribbon on for you. Please, Alice, will you get started? Well, I didn't do so badly, did I, Phil? That was a nice, smooth ride, wasn't it? Look, tell me something, Alice. Did you drive a tank during the war? (laughs) Over the way, Faye. (laughs) The greatest ride on earth. Come inside, everybody. (laughs) Hurry, hurry. 
Look, don't ever let that brother of yours have my car again. Why doesn't Willie go back to New York anyway? He's always doing something. Now, stop something. picking on Willie. Here's the studio. Let's go in. Keep out of that, lady. <laughs> Must be some way I can get rid of this harpist. Miss, will you please... Will you please keep that Irish piano quiet? <laughs> I don't want to hear hey, another... Miss don't you yell at Barbara. <laughs> it ain't polite to yell. Look, Artie, don't tell me not... Barbara? Oh... So it's Barbara now. Yeah. Us guys in the band like her. It's nice having a culture tomato around. Now, look, will you sit down? Go back and sit down. Now, look, we're doing... That's what I like about the South next Sunday, so let's run it over. Barbara wrote a new arrangement for that. You want to hear it? No, I don't want to hear it. Now, go back and sit down. We're going to do it the way I always do it. Okay, fellas. One, two... Won't you come with me to Alabama? Won't you? Won't you come? Won't you come? Alabama. Hold that! Hold! No! No! Cut that out! No! Lady! Lady! Lady, please! (laughs) Madam, you're driving me nuts. And when I'm talking to you, get out from behind that harp. You look like you're in for 30 days. What the heck was that? Barbara's arrangement. Barbara, oh, that does it. That, that's all. Lady, I want you to take that spaghetti stretcher and get out of here. Now, don't stand there. Go, go, go. Mr. Harris. <laughs> she talks. Mr. Harris, for five weeks I have restrained myself in what I believe is an admirable fashion. I've tolerated your crude, tyrannical outbursts as long as I possibly can. (laughs) However, one more of your vulgar, hysterical tirades, and I shall be obliged to kick you right in the teeth. You only dare say that because you're taller than I am. Look, lady, you know you were signed up by mistake. You agreed to release me from my contract. Why don't you be a nice girl and do it? Because your business manager, Mr. Fay, refused to allow me to go. Mr. Fay persuaded me to stay, with an increase in salary. Fabulous Willie, huh? (laughs) One of these days I'm going to get mad and break every one of his tiddlywinks. Why doesn't he stick to his bookkeeper? No, 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 don't don't get excited, Phil. Willie's coming over to the house this afternoon and I'll talk to him. I'll run along now, and I'll see you back at the house. Goodbye, boys. Goodbye, Alice. So long, Alice. So long, Marty. (laughs) 
Something's got to be done about that, Willie. I know. Now, look, you guys, we got a rehearsal to do, and I want you all to. Fellas, stop crowding around Barbara's harp and get back to your seats. <laughs> I ain't gonna have no dame erupting my organization. Hi, Curly. And furthermore, I want to tell you all that I'm not. Well, Mr. Remley has arrived. <laughs> Only an hour late, but he's here. Yeah. I appreciate your thoughtfulness, Mr. Remley, in showing up at all. Oh, that's all right, Curly. Anytime I can do anything. <laughs> you better keep quiet. That's what you better do. You hold up a whole rehearsal, cost me a lot of money, inconvenience the guys, and you don't even give an excuse. What happened? I came in late. <laughs> I know you came in late, but why did you come in late? Why? Because I didn't get here in time. <laughs> Sometimes you ask the silliest questions, Curly. Look, Remley, I'm sick and tired of you coming in late for rehearsals, and I'm not going to stand for it. What are you hiding behind your back? What do you got in your hand? Present. <laughs> oh. Trying to get on the good side of me, huh? What do you got, Frankie? A pipe? Uh-uh. Shirt? Uh-uh. Keychain. Uh-uh. Well, what do you got? Delphiniums. <laughs> oh, candy, huh? These are flowers. Flowers for me? Oh, gee, Frankie. Oh, flowers. Nobody's brought me flowers since Alice took me out on our first date. <laughs> Why'd you bring flowers? Because Barbara likes them. <laughs> They're for her. Oh, no, no, Remley, not you. Not, look, you, I, what? I'm going to talk to you later. Now, go sit down. I've got to go over my number. <laughs> Bill Jackson was a poor old dub who joined the Dark Town Poker Club and cursed the day told him he would join. Oh, that money used to go like it had wings. If he held queen, someone had kings, and each night he would contribute all that coin. And he said, I'm going to play him tight tonight. to be no bobtail flushes make me bite. He said, when I get some this in my hands, I'll be a feat. And he played him tight and lost his pile, and Bill got peevish after a while, so he rose, looked all around, and made this speech. Y'all see this brand new razor? Said I had it sharpened just today. Now I'm coming in with my rules that I want you to follow when you play, boy. Keep your hands up on the table while you're dealing, please. Don't be slipping the maces down there in between your knees. Don't be making them signs like you're trying to tip off your hand just talking American, boy. American, so's I can understand. And don't be getting them off the bottom because ooh, that's rough. Take five, five, then stop. That's enough. Now, when you put the bet up the reds and blues, I don't like it when you're shy. Then if you get busted, go get something. I'm going to be here by and by. Pass some pasteboards, let me shuffle every time before you deal. Anything goes wrong, I want to see. I mean, uh, you ain't going to just keep playing that game according to Mr. Hoyley. You're going to play this game according to me. Sitting right there in that there clan, they chanced to be a one-eyed man, and Bill kept on watching him out of the corner of his eye. Go one eye would deal, and then would cost that Bill another five or ten. Bill got up again, looked all around him with a sigh. He's 
said, loud is an awful shame. Said, someone's cheating this year game. Said, Coach, uh, it ain't old dude me to name the guy. I refrain from mentioning the party's name. If I catch him cheating just once again, I'm going to take this fist and close that other eye. Now, do you see this brand new razor? I had it sharpened just a day. I'm coming in with my rules that you must follow when you play egghead. Keep your bony hands up there while you're giving them out, please. Don't be slipping them wildies down there in between your knees. Don't be making them funny signs because you're still trying to tip off your hand. You better talk an American big A-A-A so as I can understand. And stop getting them off the bottom. I'm trying to tell you it's rough. This is the Army game. Five, five, uh, halt. That's enough. Now, when you bet, put up the reds and blues. I don't like it when you shy. But if you run out of gas, go get pumped up. I'm going to be here by and by. Pat some taste boards. Let me ripple every time before you deal. Anything goes wrong, I'd love to see. Telling you, you ain't gonna play the game now, according to that Mr. Hoyley. You won't play this game, according to me. Now, Henry, if you'll break the seal on that new deck of bicycles, we'll get on from here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How'd that sound, Frankie? Your vibrato was a little strange. <laughs> What's bothering you, anyway? What's bothering me? Willie's bothering me. What's always bothering me? Willie, Willie, Willie. The guy's doing all... He's doing everything he can to make my life miserable. I never want to see him again. Frankie, do me a favor. Give me an idea. How can I get rid of Willie permanently? Get rid of him permanently? That's right. Curly, it's not nice to have thoughts like that. <laughs> Besides, Willie's all right. He never tries to hurt anybody. Oh, no? I got news for you, kid. For two months, he's been after Alice to get you off the show. Get me off? That's right. You off. How about dipping him in cement and dropping him in the river? <laughs> I didn't mean to dip him in cement or anything that it's... How many bags would we need? We could take them down at... Nah, Frankie, don't get gruesome. You can't blame me when a guy's trying to do me out of my job. Ain't nobody going to do you out of a job with me. I need you on this show. Don't worry about it. In fact, in this coming Sunday script, you've got most of the comedy lines. You'll be the funniest one on the show this week. This week, he said. You're the star of this show, but it must burn you up on Sunday when I get all the laughs. Yeah. <laughs> but the fire's put out on Monday when I get all the money. <laughs> Look, Frankie, I want you to know one thing. Just because I'm nice to you, don't think oh, that you can come... Oh, you in... are, Mr. Harris. Uh, uh, here comes Mr. Stevens. Who's he? He's the sponsor's representative. Now, be nice to him. All right, I'll be nice to him. Just because he's the sponsor's representative. i got to cater to him. I'm glad to see you're still here. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Stevenson? I'm glad to see you. Look, uh, Mr. Stevenson, this is uh, Mr. Remley. Well, how do you do, Mr. Remley? Good health to all from Rexall. Being nice enough? Don't overdo it. (laughs) Uh, What's on your mind, Mr. Stevenson? Well, I just dropped by with the commercials for this Sunday's show. Oh, goody. (laughs) Yum. Yum. We were afraid we weren't going to get them. Oh. <laughs> they're, uh, they're a little longer than usual, Mr. Harris. I hope you can get all the commercial in. Don't plan on it. <laughs> what was that? 
Uh, well, you see, I'm going to have most of the comedy lines in next Sunday's show, and I'll get a lot of laughs. So we may not have time for the commercial at all. That is ridiculous, Mr. Remley. What is a radio program without a commercial? Let's try it and see. Why? <laughs> Will you keep quiet? This man is from the checks every week. The cow that makes with the moo. Mm. Now, quiet. Of course, uh, certainly. We're going to have the commercials, Mr. Stevenson. Okay, we'll try it. I think you'll find the commercials exceptionally interesting this week. I hope so. What are you going to talk about? Rexel. Again? <laughs> it did that last week. The week before. What's the matter with you guys? You got a one-track mind? Rem <laughs> Mr. Harris, you don't mind doing our commercials, do you? Mr. Stevenson. <laughs> Perish the thought. <laughs> I listen to him every week, and I know him by heart. I know you can depend on any product that bears the name Rexall. There are over 10,000 independent Rexall drugstores, and you can recognize a Rexall store just like that by their famous pink and purple sign. <laughs> Mr. Harris, the colors of the Rexall sign are orange and blue. Well, stupid old me. <laughs> Orange and blue. Oh, beautiful color scheme, isn't it, Frankie? I like pink and purple. Quiet. <laughs> I'm sorry I forgot the colors, Mr. Stevenson, but I promise you that it'll never happen again. Well, I hope not. Oh, it won't. And to make sure, I'm going home and dye my kids one orange and one blue. <laughs> I think he'd do it, too. Well, thank you for your cooperation, Mr. Harris. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to run along. Oh, wait a minute, Mr. Stevenson. Why don't you stick around and then you come home to dinner with me? Well, thanks, but I'm too busy. You see, I'm looking for a man to head the bookkeeping department in our Canadian store in Vancouver. You wouldn't happen to know of a capable man, would you, Mr. Harris? No, I wouldn't know nothing about no Kate. Uh, bookkeeper? <laughs> Descent of Vancouver, Canada? 2,000 miles away? William! <laughs> you know somebody? Know somebody? Deed I do. <laughs> Deed I do. My brother-in-law, Mr. Fay. Oh, yes, I've met Mr. Fay. Yes, he seems like a very competent man. Does he have a good business head? Two of them. <laughs> one pink and one purple. Really. <laughs> Mr. Stevenson, may I tell you that Willie's been handling Alice's money for years? I guarantee inside of six months he'll have Rexall almost as rich as Alice. <laughs> well, why don't you send him over to see me this afternoon, Mr. Harris? He might be just the man I'm looking for. Good day. Goodbye. Hey, we're shipping Willie off to Canada. Yeah, what a wonderful way to get rid of somebody that's always getting in your hair. And... Hey, Mr. Stevenson. Yes? Can you use a tall, thin harp player up there, Bill? <laughs> Wait a minute, Shirley. Don't try to shanghai oh, Bob. Right. Never mind, Miss Stevenson. Come on, Frankie. Let's go home and talk Willie into taking this Vancouver job. Remember, don't tell Alice where it is. She'll know we're trying to get rid of him and queer the whole thing. <laughs> Getting Willie off the Vancouver. Vancouver. <laughs> hey, look. What? Let's go home and be very nice to Willie. Remember, very nice.
William, from now on, don't do or say anything to antagonize Phil. I'm merely trying to help him. Now, please, please. Please, please. When Phil comes home, do me one favor. Don't greet him the way you always do. That burns him up more than anything else. You mean I shouldn't say, good morning, Philip? Good morning, William. Oh, oh, Philip, I didn't hear you come in. Now, Phil, Phil, control yourself. Well, he wasn't saying that to you. He didn't mean to. I, I... Oh, hello, Frankie. Good morning, Alice. And why shouldn't Willie say that to me? My day isn't complete until I've heard it. I'd give anything to hear it just once more. Good morning. Not you. <laughs> Alice, did you ever stop to realize? Did you ever just, just realize how lucky you are to have a brother like this? You think I'm lucky to... Phil Harris, have you been... Not a drop. <laughs> first time, I just realized how wrong I've been about Willie. You mean you like him? Like him? I think he's just ginger peachy. <laughs> Willie, sit down. I got something to tell you. Now, look, take my favorite chair over there. But, Philip, you always get angry. Uh, uh, I... Now, don't argue, Willie. Come with me. Come right over here and make yourself just as Phillip, comfy. Philip, put me down. What are you and Frankie up to, up to this time? That's gratitude. What are you up to? What are you up to? That's gratitude for you. After I go out of my way to get Willie a wonderful job with Rexall. Are you serious? Certainly I'm serious. All he's got to do is to go down and see Mr. Stevenson, sign up, and he's all set. Oh, Willie, isn't it wonderful? You've always wanted to work for them, and now it's come true. Oh, Willie, I'm so happy for you. Alice, put so... me down! <laughs> I wish you people wouldn't get so exuberant. Hey, Willie, stop all of that, and you'd better run downtown and see Mr. Stevenson right away. Oh, now hurry up. Thank you, Phil. I'll go down right now. I'll return here and let you know as soon as I've talked to Mr. Stevenson. Phil, I don't know why you're doing this, but I think it's sweet of you, and I appreciate oh, it. Oh, it's nothing. No, no, just the same. You've made me very happy. You were meant for me. was done, you were all the sweet things, rolled up in one, you're like a play, melody, that never lets me free, for I'm content, the angels must have sent you, and they
Curly. Willie's been gone over two hours. Yeah. Must have the job by now. Yeah, just think in no time, little Willie will be 2,000 beautiful miles away. Oh. I hope he gets a job. If anything happened to keep... It's him. Hey, we're in here, Willie. Oh, Philip Franklin, guess what? I got the job. Congratulations, Mr. Harris. Elementary, my dear Remley. Philip, I want to thank you for what you You haven't got time, Willie. Look, I'll go home with you and help you pack your bag. Frankie, you go down and get him a train ticket and... Wait a minute, the train ain't fast enough. We'll send him by plane. (laughs) Let's shoot him out of a cannon. Philip, will you please listen? Wait a minute. William, did I hear you say you got the job? Oh, here it comes. Yes, I got it, Alice. Mr. Stevenson was wonderful. He had an opening in Vancouver. Where? Vancouver. Vancouver? Vancouver? Van Johnson? (laughs) Thought I'd break up the monotony. Just a moment. I'm beginning to see the light. Willie, do you mean they're sending you to Vancouver, B.C.? British Columbia? Of course not, honey. The job is in Vancouver, B.C., Beside Cucamonga. Well, you ought to be ashamed of yourself railroading William to Canada. Oh, Rexall isn't sending me to Canada. They're not sending you to Canada. Oh, no, Philip. No, due to your excellent recommendation, they're sending their local man to Vancouver, and I'm taking his place in the Los Angeles office. I feel faint. <laughs> I feel faint. Yeah, when Mr. Stevenson found out I was your business manager, Philip, he arranged it so I could handle both jobs. He didn't think it was fair to take me away from you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Phil, you're terrific. Because of you, Willie will still be with us. I think it's wonderful. I think it's grand. I think I'll kill myself. <laughs> Bill and Alice will be back in a minute. Well, Frankie, yeah. thought we had a surefire scheme, but we certainly messed it up, didn't we? 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 What do you mean, we? Don't be so plural. <laughs> it happens to be one thing I didn't get you into. The fact that Willie's still with us is all your fault. Well, what are you going to do now? Well, there's only one thing I can do. Frankie. Yeah. How much cement did you said we'd need? (laughs) Oh, wait a minute, Curly. You said yourself that was too gruesome for Willie. It ain't for Willie. This one's for me. program was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. Included in today's cast were Sally Creighton, John Beale, and Ollie O'Toole. The part of Frankie Remley was played by Elliot Lewis. Alice Fay appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We just heard a job for Willie, an episode of the Phil Harris Alice Fay Show, first broadcast in 1948. And we remind you that WSHDLP Eastport is a non-commercial station that does not endorse any products. We have time for a bonus job opening. Here's Prince's Orchestra once again with another description of a blacksmith and his anvil, this time from 1914. 
Prince's Orchestra from 1914, a blacksmith and his anvil. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around the world's staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin Jane. Thank you, and see you next week. Joan Loudon, a.k.a. The Bass Lady, inviting you to join me every Wednesday from 3 to 4.30 p.m. for The Bass Lady Presents, with a different weekly theme from jazz to Celtic, from Newgrass to New Orleans, it's always a mix of great music. That's every Wednesday from 3 to 4.30, with a repeat airing on Saturdays from 4 to 5.30 p.m., right here on 93.3 FM, W-S-H-D-L-P, Eastport, Maine. I'm all about that bass. Hey, hey, have I got a radio show for you. Old Coasting comes at you twice a week. Thursday at 8, Sunday at 4. Right here on W-S-H-D-L-P in Eastport, Maine, 93.3 FM. On Bold Coasting, we don't just play the music. Uh, we like to talk about it a little bit, too. It's music and commentary. It's a radio show with liner notes. You kids can ask your parents what that means.
tune in every Saturday night at 7 and again on Tuesdays at 8 for Philly Joe Remarkable's Mad Pad right here on WSHDLP Eastport, Maine, 93.3 on your FM dial. Man, take this crazy pad. Man, it's a mad pad. Listening to WSHDLP Eastport, broadcasting from the hallowed hallways of Shed High School. Tune in Mondays 4 to 6 p.m. for Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, featuring historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world, plus radio dramas from the golden age of radio. If you miss the show, don't despair. There's a repeat broadcast on Fridays, 6 to 8 p.m., and if you miss that, just go to www.cracklinjane.com and download or stream the show at your leisure. Come on by Sam's Caffeine Cafe every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 8 until 10 a.m. I'm Sam, the proprietor. I keep all the tables clean. There are no sesame seeds on the floor, no schmutz from the night before, just good music. The first hour, a little bit softer, some Americana, folk, blues, a little bit of jazz, but by 9 o'clock, we are amped up on caffeine. We're playing up-tempo music all hour long. It's a grab bag. It's a fun place to hang out, and we would love to have you. We would. Please come by 93.3 WSHDLP Eastport. <laughs> 